You are about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... Uh, who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. And now, broadcasting from the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Here's your host, Connor Forrest. Shawnee, how are you, my friend? It is good to see your face. Look at you. There you are. Uh, there I am. There we are. Look at the camera over here and the camera over here. We're, we're doing this again. We're doing this again. Welcome back, everybody. After further review returns, it is Thursday, April 20th, the year of our Lord, 2023. We are seven days away. From the Carolina Panthers being on the clock for the number one overall pick, Shawnee. I um I always feel like the draft takes takes a turn. Just I'm trying to whack around my uh my microphone here. I always feel like the draft, there's just that point from you know, it's like mid-February, like right after the Super Bowl, to now that just takes eternity. Right. It just takes eternity. And um I'm just glad. I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're finally here. How are you? I'm doing well, man. It's great to see you. Um, you don't know the difference between a Coke and a Coke and a Diet Coke. Apparently, I don't. So, so let me uh, let me let me bring let's up just, this let's conversation. Just, let's just get this off our chest. All right, right. So my girlfriend's joining us in the, right, studio the studio today. Studio Hi, audience. Claire. She I'm doesn't want to be mentioned though, or be on the show, so no. she's hiding. Um, but. I told her to make herself useful and go get us some Coke Zeros, which is a terrible thing to Just tell your girlfriend. the most condescending thing you could possibly say. <laughs> Although she said that to me before. so it's well, like You a, said that to me before. Have I said I'm make yourself useful? 100% positive. Maybe when we were have. setting up equipment. We probably, probably were. were. Yeah, oh, well. probably were. No hard feelings. Um, but you ended up getting the Coke Zeros, which I, I, I was kidding. I, I didn't actually want her to make herself useful. That was a joke. <laughs> she said it to me before, so it's an inside thing. But uh, she got the Coke Zero, or yeah, Coke Zero sugar, whatever that means. And uh, she wanted to try it and was like, is it different than Diet Coke? Which then I said, well, aren't they kind of the same thing? Yeah, I wanted to rip my headphones off and stomp on them. (laughs) But I thought it was a marketing thing. Like now you got two separate drinks that are essentially the same thing. No, it's just very incorrect. So you ready for this? Yeah. Um, I'm such an aficionado when it comes to Coke Zero. They upped or like redid their marketing. So as you see here, you got the red can and the black lettering before. It was a black can with white lettering. Mm. And so they did this new kind of rollout with the brand, with the color. And then they said it's a new and improved formula. Is I, was, it? I was able to tell the difference between the old Coke Zero and the new Coke Zero. Now, for anyone who's a Coke Zero fan, you can 100% tell the difference between Coke Zero and Diet Coke. Right? Diet Coke came Really? Out. So Diet Coke came out before the... Like there's a craze right now with diet sodas, right? There's a, it's a super popular thing. 
it's it's a really like I mean every soda out there has a now a zero right a Mountain Dew zero a Dr Pepper zero um, all sorts of different things like that. Coke Zero came out and basically revamped Diet Coke's formula. Diet Coke, like I said before, this era of diet sodas has like this chemically taste. Right. Yeah. Coke Zero has way more of that cola flavor and very little of that like weird chemically fake taste that you'd otherwise get with like like a diet coke or a, like okay, a diet well, pep. Diet Pepsi might be the worst thing on the planet. It just <laughs> might be. What's the, worst the thing. ingredient difference though between a diet coke I think and a it's coke just zero? The formula. I don't think there's any ingredient. I think it's just the way. They've just perfected that. Like, is it? Does this have Splenda or not? I mean, I guess nope, it wouldn't be Splenda. It's an aspartame. That's that's the sweetener, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, it is. It is a very different thing. It is a very different thing. Okay. Um, the fact that you didn't know the difference was was upsetting to me. Well, I don't sit there and. But maybe that's what you we'll should. do next episode. We'll have these, and I'll bring some diet cokes, and we'll just cans. Like though we got to keep it like an even. We like, should. We'll, keep we'll do it cans. Even. We won't go to like McDonald's that. or anything. We'll just do cans. Keep it easy. I Keep do like simple. that romantic bit that you do with me where you always bring me a um, a large fountain Coke from McDonald's. I do. Yeah, I've done time. that before. It's one of my favorite things on the planet. Um, one of my absolute favorite things on the planet. But uh, anything new with you? How has life been? Last seven days. Anything crazy? You know, you. No. Yeah, you, we, we did the episode here last week. Um, we have a special guest on the show today. Uh, I recorded in conversation with Ian Cummings on Tuesday, because it's draft time, so it's time for Ian uh, to jump on the show. So we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. Um, we're going to touch up on some breaking news, and Pug enters the studio as well. It's it's the ambiance of a, of a young family's home <laughs> anytime we hit the record button. Um, routinely what happens in the house is that it's dead quiet, and then you hit the record button, and suddenly upstairs, <laughs> it's Nagasaki, uh, and it's just bombs going off and just... <laughs> Everyone's uh, collapsing. Pug does the Harlem Shake in the studio. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we're going to get to Ian a little bit later on in the show. I, I want to get to this Jalen Hurts contract. Um, Jalen Hurts signs a historic contract. There's Pug right underneath. Now, you can't see in the cameras. Um, Pug usually comes in here. He's looking for all sorts of attention. Um, but just this past week, really quietly, Sean, Jalen Hurts all of a sudden – uh, sets himself uh, a record. It's the highest guaranteed money in a contract in NFL history mm -hmm. negotiated by his agent. Um, this was super quiet. Did you see this happening or am I on an island or something? Like, did you no, see this happening? I'm, I mean, we never talked about the need for him to get a contract. It's all been Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson. Well, um, I, we, we talked about him needing a contract, but I wasn't quite sure like when that would get done. And right. Obviously, the sooner the better. Right. Um, but it, it wasn't a pressing offseason issue. It's not. It wasn't on the Lamar Jackson side of things. Right. right? Um, NFL Network. Here's NFL Network on the Jalen Hurts uh, huge contract extension. A new highest paid player in NFL history. And he is also the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. It is all about Jalen Hurts today, agreement in terms on a five-year, $255 million contract, which is massive because it means on an average per year basis, he is now the highest paid player in the NFL at $51 million per year, $51 million 
per year for the Super Bowl quarterback Jalen Hurts. As far as some of the other details, Tom, $179.3 million in guarantees. Overall, including injury guarantees, $110 million fully guaranteed just for signing his name. And actually, in his signing bonus, he gets $23.3 million. This is all through 2028. So Jalen Hurts locked up for the foreseeable future for the Philadelphia Eagles, and no doubt about it, based on his performance the last couple of years, he has earned every bit of it. Also earned the first no-trade clause in team history, which is a huge, huge deal. And if he plays, basically like he has been, he can get an additional $15 million in incentives. So, yes, Tom, today is a very, very good day to be Jalen Hurts. Certainly a good day to be Jalen Hurts. Uh, pretty darn good day to be an Eagles fan. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on this? I See, I like contracts like this a lot better than, like, the 13- or 10-year ones because – we're seeing it all across sports, not just in football. You get these guys who have to show some sort of experience. So they're not rookies. They're not right. first-year players, second-year players or anything. They have some experience. And then they come in, and uh, and they're like 25, 26, 27 years yeah. old, whatever they are. And they start requesting these 13, 14, 15-year contracts. Um, I think Mahomes was a 13-year contract, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Ten, I think it was 10. It was 10, yeah. right. Yeah, 13's but entering the baseball category. It is. Well, yeah, that, that's the problem in baseball. I, I don't think there's ever been a – I think Patrick Mahomes well, – Is his is the longest? The longest, yeah. Because there's a lot of like the NFLPA and right. Well, ba- baseball is one that's um, well. They have for, deferred payments in baseball, so right. they can sit there and make the contracts, you know, 25 years with deferred payments or right. something like that. But I like these better because I think it's less risky for the team in terms of injuries. Yeah. Like, what if four years down the line, Jalen Hurts has a catastrophic knee injury, and all of a sudden you have them for another seven years on your contract. If you were to do this long-term contract deal, but in this situation, you only have them for five years. So it makes a lot more sense where it's, it's not as risky and the players getting his money. So it's kind of right. a win-win totally. And, and um, I, you know, my um, I'm, I'm going to pull this up on spot track and see if I can um, see if I can get, because here we go. Um, see if I can get some numbers for you. Uh, for his, they haven't, it doesn't look like they've, uh, they've updated the years in terms of, um, the, the cap hit, but, but, uh, from my understanding, Sean, you can try to, if you can try to pull that up, um, his cap number over the course of the next few years, because how it was negotiated, uh, first of all, from an agent standpoint, what a win. I mean, what an agent Jalen Hurts has. I mean, incredible. Uh, her name I need, I need to find as well. Um, uh, she negotiated a historic contract, so um, so really all all, uh, all kudos to her. But the way that this was structured actually is is pretty team friendly in terms of cap for the next few years. It's so, uh, four point seven eight nine million. Right. So well, that's for right. That's obviously his rookie contract. So that's not going to kick in until his rookie contract right. expires. Right. Now that number is going to sky high jump. But if I'm not mistaken, I think his cap number for at least two years after this year is going to be pretty reasonable. It's in the thirties or something along that line, um, which is really well negotiated for the team. Now, obviously, you know, as you get further into the contract, you're going to get, you know, it's, it's going to hamper their ability to do much in three or four years. Mm -hmm. That said, um, the Eagles can run it back if they want to, right? They've got a lot of draft picks this year and, and they're not, forking over a ton of money again that that is the gold standard in football right now it's that young quarterback 
on a rookie contract. It's it's the gold standard because you can build a team around it. I mean, it's it's the funny thing with Carson Wentz making you know twenty eight and a half mil last year. <laughs> Please, it hurts. Um, <laughs> last year uh, and this year, I I don't think Sam Howell's making more than I think five six hundred k. Is this some something crazy, something ridiculous? I have to pull the exact number. Um, but you get the point, right? You get the point. I mean, that th- that is that's how you build teams. You, quarterbacks that are elite, young, and cheap, where you can build your roster up around them. Um, that said, when you find it, you, you got to keep it, right? The Josh Allen contracts, the Patrick Mahomes contracts, these these kind of things. Um, and now Jalen Hurts, uh, obviously setting the record. Uh, you can't let guys like that go. So, right? so- Hit the open market. You, you got to pay them, and and this is this is the cost of it right now. So let me ask you this. Do you like contracts like this better where it is more money per year, but a shorter term? Or do you like the long term Patrick Mahomes style contracts? It just depends on the player completely. Well, it's let's just, say for a scrambling quarterback, uh, somebody who's prone to be injured. Well, if you're historically at Lamar Jackson style or or, or know, even Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts is a guy who can use his legs. But I mean, I wouldn't. He's an incredible pocket passer, right? And he's proven the ability. So I would give Jalen Hurts this contract without even blinking if I could. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, do we consider him a scrambling quarterback? Like he moves and, and he can, but he's not particularly fast. He's an elite athlete who can make stuff happen with his legs. But I wouldn't consider him, you know. Lamar Jackson is 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 a is a top tier NFL quarterback. He also, if he just decided to play running back, would be a top tier NFL running back, right? So it's different physical traits. Um, and, and Lamar Jackson is 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 a great pocket passer, but I put Jalen Hurts, you know, so far at least above him in that category. Would right you now. be comfortable giving Josh Allen a huge contract? Yeah, totally. He's With- just he's physically built, and, and I I still would like to coach the hey, uh, please don't lower your shoulder into a linebacker kind of thing. Um, but he's just built stronger and, and, and he doesn't have a, a deep injury history. And, um, you know, that's, that's his style and it's, it's worked out well. So yeah, completely. Okay. Um, this brings me though, when I did see this news, it, it completely took me right back to the Lamar conversation we had of Jalen hurts got a guaranteed 179. There was a report that came out that in September of 2022, this past September, Lamar was offered 200 mil guaranteed. I don't know if that that's a, a legit number or not. I, I'm not sure. Here's what I'll say, though. It, it further highlights and proves to me, and it's so unbelievably frustrating, that Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, one, and two, doesn't realize that using the Deshaun Watson um, contract as leverage for him for some reason, it's, it's not a good move. Like the Browns has made a historic, I think, mistake mm-hmm. in giving Deshaun Watson that much guaranteed money. Uh, and I think the league knows that. I think fans know that. I think the team knows that. Uh, and I just think using that as leverage uh, to try to get – as much guaranteed money as you can, like, you know, Jalen Hurts, who clearly deserves his contract, got 20 mil less than what you reportedly denied uh, in guarantees. Um, this is why you have an agent. <laughs> it's just this is why you have an agent. This is <laughs> it's just um, it's clear cut. And uh, quite frankly, I don't 
I'm not quite sure. Uh, I, I just I don't know what the path for for Lamar here is. I, I think he plays this year under the franchise tag, and I think he probably gives us another swing next year for a long term deal. But I think he just misplayed it. I think he misplayed this offseason bad, and this Jalen Hurts contract I think highlights that in a way. Um, Are you saying he's overvaluating himself? Yes, completely. Okay, completely and utterly overvaluing himself. Um, and your job is to do that, but also in the parameters. That's why you have an agent. You have an agency that can take. You and say, okay, we're going to, you know, look, these guys are, are NFL quarterbacks. You don't get to that point without overvaluating yourself, without the confidence of, hey, I'm worth this. Um, you know, th- that's that's how you get there. But this is but you where have to have an agent to do it is what you're you saying. You have to have an agent to be able to help um, negotiate on your behalf. In, in like I said, we had said a couple weeks ago, manipulating the media, working narratives, things like that, that um, – Agents do that go way beyond what people think they do. Um, you know, pinning teams against each other in a, in a, in a you know, I, I just, I'm very frustrated with like, and it's funny because I don't have any stake in the game, but it's frustrating to see a guy like Lamar just kind of make these missteps and looking at teams around the league. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is. It <laughs> sounded like somebody's conjuring a demon up there. Um, but looking at teams around the league make their moves with their young quarterbacks and, and then find a way to mutually, you know, get a deal that works for both. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to stick with my original uh, talking point that Lamar stays in Baltimore. Okay. Um, he plays under the tag, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes on. There's just been no real talk, um, you know, from from – the Ravens or, or anything to do with contract negotiations there. I think those have, those have uh, sailed um, for the most part because the team has all the leverage. Right. All right. I got, I got a quick one for you. Go ahead. All right. Do you believe Tua when he says in a recent press conference that he considered retirement? Yeah. Completely. You do believe him? Totally. Okay. I mean, by the way, you'd be dumb if you don't or you wouldn't after having, you know, multiple concussions in a year that were not small. Um, yeah, totally. I totally believe him. Um, that's up to him, right? And I think that's the other thing that like a lot of people want to do the, well, he should, or I'm going to mandate what somebody does with their career. And it's like, well, that's up to him. But of course, you got to consider that. And he, you know, he's got a family. I believe he has children too. So it's like you, you have a lot to consider there um, in that category. But uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I did see that quote. Yeah, he that's did say that. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask you. Yeah, that. that's interesting. Um, totally believe him there. Uh, but Jalen Hurts is just an all-star. Uh, he's just an all-star guy. I, I love Jalen Hurts. I mean, it, it stinks that he's on Philly because I, I just can't cheer for him. I can't bring myself <laughs> to cheer for anything Philadelphia. But what a tremendous, tremendous professional he is. I mean, a guy who handles himself with such incredible class and had one of uh, like a historic performance in the Super Bowl last year. Um, you know, the reason they lost was was Pat Mahomes and ran into a, you know, a meat grinder that the Chiefs are. Um, but he's just tremendous. You know, he, And I think... I realized that I was a Jalen Hurts fan. It was it was that was it the twenty eighteen or nineteen national championship game he was benched in? I think it was twenty eighteen. He was benched for Tua at halftime of the national cha- championship game. Yeah. Um, and after the game, just a consummate professional. Um, just no eyeball emojis on Twitter. No, you know I'm gonna you know go on Instagram and post something on my story that's cryptic or so he's just, he's just a, a really well-structured young professional who uh, I think is, is going to find success in this league um, for years to come. Hopefully it's uh, somewhere else in Philly after the contract, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where like these contracts are signed and it's like, 
mm, I have to deal with him for another five years. Um, so congrats to Jalen Hurts and you Eagles fans out there. Um, before we go to Ian, Sean, um, do you have any immediate thoughts on the draft that you want to share? That I want to share? I, I always um, want to give you a chance. I know you're not a big draft I'm guy. not. I really am not. You're not a huge draft guy. I love the draft. I, 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 And I said it in our conversation with Ian. Um, this is probably the least prepared I've been for a draft. But um, I'm so excited. I just love the draft. It's so much fun. And uh, Ian from uh, the Draft Network is is fantastic. He uh, breaks down all you need to know. Um, we threw it back to an episode that we recorded with him last year. Uh, he made a prediction last year that I think is going to stick <laughs> this year. So we'll talk about that. Um, we go into the quarterbacks. We go into offensive linemen. We go into, I mean, we, it, Ian's just great. I, I could let him talk and, and just go on forever. Um, but he's just tremendous. So we're going to get to Ian uh, now, and uh, we'll come back on the other side. So Ian Cummings from the Draft Network joins after further review. We will catch you guys back on the other side of the interview. And I am pleased to be joined as always. It is it is April, so it's that time where I slide into Ian Cummings DMs and I I just bother bother the living hell out of him. It's it's just that time, Ian, when it when it you're the most busy doing something, and all you need is a desperate break from this thing that you're doing. And then I come in and I'm like, hey, dude, let's do more of the thing that you're just endlessly doing. Uh, so I'd like to to formally apologize, but Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network joins us. You can find him and his work at ProFootballNetwork.com. His latest piece is up today. It's the 18th. That's when we're recording the interview, but it is up today. Breaks down the top 10 edges, edge rushers in the 2023 draft. You can follow him at Twitter at IC underscore draft. Dang, Ian, you got rid of the Ian underscore Cummings underscore. That's a joke. Yeah, it was, a, I know, man, it was tough to see it go. That was um, a lot of history with that one. That was the one I started with. So, you know, big, big, big backstory behind the nine. It's my favorite. It was my favorite number. You know, I don't know why. That, that's why? that's the extent of the backstory behind that. But uh, I don't have a favorite number now. I just kind of go, go with the punches. But yeah, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to um, align it with the branding, right? So I see underscore draft, just, you know, NFL draft, but the specializing there. But yeah, you know, it was time for a change. And, uh, you mentioned it, man. Draft season, you know, as much as I would want to break at this point, it's been droning on for so long. But, you know, at this yeah. point, too, you know, it is there's a silver lining. Most of the work is already done. Most of the scouting is already done. You know, there's a few guys that I want to watch back, you know, rewatch a little bit more of. But for the most part, the board is set. Right. So it's not it's not any new discovery now. You know, it's just kind of talking about what you've already seen and discovered about these guys. So, uh, yeah, honestly, just staying in the course until next thursday when you know all of our expectations what we thought you know it's gonna you know fly in the face of that too you never know what's gonna happen but uh yeah it's a fun time of year excited to be here and i'm always happy to be on with you man i feel like it's been forever but uh, it was too long it was too long basically it's it's always too long it's always too long but it's 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 so good to catch up with you um so you've been with pro football network for how long now (sighs) it's been i mean well I was there part-time for a little bit when I was still fan-sided. I was a contractor at that point and started as an editor. I think um, this is my second draft cycle as a full-time NFL draft analyst. So, yeah, second cycle. Um, I'd say maybe three or four years total. But, yeah, it's been fun. I was there. I started in college and um, graduated college with a marketing degree. But here we are covering the NFL draft. And, uh, yeah, just kind of a lot of tape watching, a lot of film watching. That's for sure. That's kind of the Uh foundation of it. But, uh, 
it's been fun. It's been fun. So I can imagine. I I'd have to imagine you just cannot wait for next Thursday. You just can't wait for this thing to just just be over and just and and I I. <laughs> I just loved how last year it was it was um and the year before it's like once this draft ends like your your work doesn't stop cuz no. more drafts are to come so I've already got I I, I wish I could show you my spreadsheet I've already got a watch list of about 500 guys for the next cycle so and I just did a <laughs> 2024 mock three rounder uh so yeah it's a uh, yeah we always have to look a ahead man. I swear it's uh Incredible. it's crazy yeah, but hey, I mean, if if you if you're not looking ahead, you're behind. That's what I say. No, it's not. It's not that bad. But you know, you, you want to make sure that you know you, you maintain an awareness of you know the next class and you know guys that are you need to watch, right? You always want to be prepared. So it's yeah, it never ends. But you try and find little breaks when you can, right? So I'll definitely be taking a little vacation in May, uh, going to my Good. buddies in Wisconsin. I'll be taking. I, I need to use a minimum vacation time amount. I don't know what it is. I have to check, but uh, I know I have to use a certain amount. So we'll, we'll get it in there somehow. Yeah, you got to get it taken care of. Now I know um, your your typical like things you enjoy the most uh, in your time off. You're a tennis player, don't you? Play tennis. You're a tennis guy. Uh, no injuries recently, right? Because I believe the last time I had you on, you did. You had a, an ankle situation, I believe it was. No, I maybe like tweaked it, but I've never more than tweaked it. I usually, okay. I'm, I, which is weird because my, my strategy in tennis is I just run and jump at everything, right? So it's like, because I can't aim, so that's what I defer to. But, <laughs> you know, uh, no, that, yeah, I do that. You know, that's, that's, that's something I do. Yeah, I think um, music sometimes, you know, just for fun a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I need to. Definitely, you need ways to decompress, especially when the work is just coming in on a conveyor belt, man. It's just, yeah, for sure. I, I can imagine, dude. I can imagine. And uh, and with that, I'm going to proceed to, to now just load you up with the questions that you've done nothing. But, <laughs> but I, I want to start our conversation with this. And I want you to take a listen to this uh, because I'm, I'm going to throw it back to almost 365 days ago. Okay? I want you to take a listen to this. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you being here as always. And we'll get you on again anytime you want to come talk bagels, which we tend to do, and draft football. You're always welcome on. Yes, sir. And I always appreciate it. By the way, 2023, CJ Stroud, QB1. My early QB1. Up there. <laughs> already, we're there. Uh, yeah, already. Right. We're going. We're going. But yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> if you don't want a QB this year, I'm sure there'll be some options next year. That was you last year. Now, we did, uh, I believe last year we were, I, I believe the conversation we had started talking about uh, bagels. We had about a 10 or 15 minute bagel conversation. It's an important um, discussion topic, man. I swear. Well, it's, it is actually. By fine. the way, ho- Hawaiian bagels are still, are still tops for me. I got to say. Hawaiian, Hawaiian bagels and, and butter. That's, that's tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I know that everything bagel, I mean, the. Panera, look at us. Look, we're literally just we're just slide. rehashing last year's episode. But I, I think that Panera Asiago cheese bagel with about six inches of cream cheese is just. I'm gonna pass away. That sounds soon. good. <laughs> and it's gonna be because of those. Hey, I mean, we all pass away at some point, right? Why not go <laughs> in style? I'll willingly succumb to that. Uh, there will be no pallbearers, though. I will be on wheels, um, but. To that piece of audio, you said at that time, CJ Stroud, QB1, 2023. Right here are, uh, are you sticking with that? 
uh, well, the, the, the bad move to do would be to say, of course I am, right? Because I, I picked a hill to die on, so I'm going to die on it, right? No, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's uh, at this point, it's very, very close. And I'll be honest with you, I, I need to really take a step back and kind of finalize who my QB1 is because it is very close on my board. I have three guys that are graded within, I think, 0.1 of each other, which is really close on my grading scale. CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Bryce Young. I mean, those three are neck and neck and neck. I mean, they're insanely close together and they all provide different areas of appeal. You know, I think for me, Bryce Young has the highest floor. You know, he's you know, kind of the highest floor guy. Anthony Richardson, the highest ceiling. That goes without saying. I think Stroud provides the best mix of both elements with his profile. You know, you look at the size, right? That's kind of, that's something that Young doesn't have. And it's not something that I, I knock Young too much for, but it's right. If they're this close together, it can be a separating factor. You know, so he's got that frame. He's a good athlete. I think in that Georgia game, especially, he showed that he does have creative capacity, right? He could be a little more comfortable creating off script, but he has that ability. You know, with other quarterbacks who have struggled against pressure, sometimes it's because they're not mobile enough. That's not the issue with Stroud. So that's why I think, you know, I'm a little more confident in his growth potential there. Off script, he's got arm strength. He's got arm elasticity. He's the most accurate and precise quarterback in this draft. The ball placement is uncanny. Um, you know, and he's very smart too. He processes well. He can anticipate over the middle of the field. So, you know, I, I love a lot of what Stroud has to offer. But Richardson and Young are both very good prospects too. I think Richardson, you know, the upside speaks for itself with him. You know, high level athlete, rocket for an arm. You know, for a young quarterback who's only got like 13 starts under his belt, right? He's shown that he can navigate the pocket. You know, kind of keep himself upright, keeps eyes downfield, read the field. You know, again, he can also anticipate over the middle of the field. He's flashed that ability. So I, I like the building blocks that he has to offer. And then Bryce Young, you know, staying controlled amidst chaos. You know, one of the best things that he can do. Uh, he's got great mobility too, but also feel under pressure, right? The ability to stay composed and, you know, keep plays alive, and put the team on his back when they need it. Another guy who processes very well off script, you know, his eyes are always moving. So he's got an elastic arm too. I think of those three, he has the weakest arm, right? So that's why for me, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to be my QB1, but he's another guy who's just, you know, size size aside. You know, I think he has the tools. He's a big outlier with that size, but I think he can counteract it and be the exception. So all three of those guys are very close to my board. And I've I've flip-flopped between Richardson and Stroud for a while now. I'm not sure which one will be my QB1. The thing with Richardson is, you know, if he has the upside that he has and if you're confident in his mental capacity, right, you know, the processing capacity – then there's no reason not to have QB1 because you need to shoot for the stars in the NFL. So it'll be one of those guys. It will be one of those guys. I don't mm. know which one yet, but uh, it's very close. But uh, yeah, so uh, it could be Stroud, you know, and ultimately if I feel like, you know, kind of patting myself on the back from a year ago, I'll go, yeah, Stroud. But no, I mean, the draft process is always, you got to stay open. You know, you got to keep an open mind to reevaluation. And so this uh, this cycle has been very important for that. But these guys are very close together, and it's gonna it's gonna suck because I'm gonna one of them is gonna have to be QB three. You know, it's like I don't I, I, I like him a lot, man. He's my QB three, but like, hey, that's not a bad thing in this class. There's a lot of talent up top. Yep, and I mean that that is the the conversation, right? When you get to Carolina and Houston at one and two, is what what is freedom, right? Freedom is the ability to make a bunch of really good choices where you, where you yeah. don't really. You know, it's kind of a win-win no matter who you go with. Um, I give you $100 and I have to put – and you got to put that $100 on somebody that Carolina are going to put on that card at this moment in time. Which of those three in your mind goes to Frank Reich's Panthers at one? 
That's a tough one, man, because it has been back and forth. I mean, a couple weeks ago, you could have, you know, people basically thought it was Stroud, right? Then, you know, all of a sudden it's young and the odds are flipping too, like an insane amount. I forgot what the amount was, but like now it's like, now people are saying it's basically young, like the decision's already made. But then Scott Fitter is like, we haven't made the decision yet. We got to go back to Frank Reich. I haven't talked to Frank about it. We haven't locked it in. You know, so it's like, oh my God, you know, what is it going to be? It feels... To me, it feels a lot like the 2018 class, which had the Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. I remember going up to the final day in that one. You know, the day of, they're like, oh, it's going to be Sam Darnold. And then it was Baker Mayfield, right? So it's like, we have no idea what's going to happen. And we have no idea what is smoke and what is real. And that is why, me personally, you know, I'm just going to, I'm content sitting back and watching what happens. You know, if if I don't have to bet, I'm not going to bet. But if you give me $100 and say, you have to bet, we're forcing you to, then it's tough. I'm going to go with, you know, again, it's tough because Frank Reich has never, he's always adhered to a typical prototype at QB, right? You usually don't yeah. see him taking undersized guys. He usually likes guys that are at least 6'2", 6'3", over like- 210, 220. Yeah, you know, that prototypical QB frame, right? That's kind of what Reich has generally preferred. Richardson and Stroud fit that that mold. Bryce Young doesn't, right? So that ideally that would help you narrow down the options a little bit, but then now we're seeing the reports that it is Young, right? And I think... I saw a report, the, the S2 testing, the cognitive testing, that's been a big storyline this offseason. And we know that Young had the highest score in the entire class. I think he had like a 98, right? And the Panthers are one front office, one you know organization that does put a lot of value into that, right? Now, Richardson scored very high too, you know, and that's important as well. You know, Richardson has, his tools are head and shoulders above Young's. So, you know, ideally, I would keep Richardson in the running for that reason, but with all the smoke pointing toward young man, I don't know because we've heard that the Texans really young, like young too. And we've heard that the Panthers were open to trading down from number one, potentially. So are they trying right. to force the Texans hand in the trading up to get their guy? Right. We have no idea. I have no idea. That's the frustrating part, man. It's like, you know, I could tell you a ton of stuff about all the prospects down the board, but like, if you ask me about this, I have no idea. I don't know. But I think if I had to bet a hundred dollars, if I had to, Man, peer pressure is a, a tough thing. I'm going to go with Bryce Young at this moment. Just because I, I feel like there's too much smoke, and I think the S2 testing does hold weight. And we've heard time and time again, you know, that Young is just, you know, size. you can knock his size, you can knock his arm strength. He's just that guy, right? You know, kind of similar to yeah. Joe Burrow when he was coming out. He didn't have the strongest arm, but he was just that guy, right? And he showed up on the film. He led his team to win it. You know, Bryce Young on film, you know, against Texas, against other teams like that. You know, he just wills his team to win, you know, even amidst diversity. So, you know, it's tough. It's going to be a close call, I think. But if I had to choose, you know, I'd probably go with Young. I like that. Yeah, I mean, and here's the good news. It's the $100 that I gave you, so it's house money, right? Okay. Don't worry about it. It's not coming out of your savings account. You don't have to shatter the piggy bank. Um, where do some other quarterbacks fit in, right? Like the Hendon Hookers, the, you know, I mean, the conversation is kind of funny how the, the Stetson Bennett conversation has really intrigued me. But, you know, if you could go through just a couple of those guys briefly, like wh- where did they slot in, in in this conversation? Yeah, well, fourth is Will Levis uh, pretty safely. You know, he's my fourth guy. Uh, he's got the size, the arm talent. You know, he's um, you know, he's got all the tools. Again, it's just a matter of, He's a little bit older than Richardson, you know, so it's one of those things where Richardson's developmental runway is a little bit longer. You got more time to work with. Um, Levis had a couple of years in Kentucky, didn't quite show the linear progression that you're looking for, right? So 
But at the same time, we know he's very book smart off the field. We know that he has the mental capacity to work with, right? So he's a tough competitor. So he's my fourth guy. Phenomenal arm talent. You know, a lot of stuff to work with. Hendon Hooker, I feel like there's there's a very, very big gap between Levis and the next guy up. I'll say that. Hendon Hooker has a early day three for me. I'm, I, I'm not a fan of the round one talk for him. You know, the production was great. Don't get me wrong. He was very productive at the college level. All the reports say that he's a, a great leader. He's got great character. But I just don't know how translatable his play style is. I mean, that Tennessee offense, you got Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman and stacked alignments, right? You know, they're ma- manufacturing a lot of space in the defense, right? And it's also a lot of one-read throws for Hooker where he's not having to stand in the pocket, survey, keep the clock running, you know? So when he did have to keep his internal clock running and actually go from progression to progression, very inconsistent. There were times where, you know, he dropped his eyes or froze up, you know? So I don't know how well he's going to translate to a traditional NFL system. He's got good mobility. He's got good arm talent, not elite in either area. And I think that just that the, the what's the word I'm looking for? How tough it's going to be to translate from that offense, especially being a 25 year old rookie, right? People talk about mm-hmm. the knee injury. That doesn't really concern me. You know, I don't, cause he suffered it in November. He should be good to go by the time the regular season comes along. Maybe it'll impact his preseason, his training camp a little bit, but you know, I'm more concerned about how he translates from that offense, especially being as old as he is. He might be set in his ways mentally. So, you know, I, I have an early day three on him. I think he'd be a solid backup spot starter. But um, that's kind of where he levels out for me. Some other guys that I do like on day three, uh, Jake Hayner from Fresno State is one guy. You know, he's a little bit smaller, but he's tough as nails. He's a great competitor. Um, he's actually got pretty good arm talent for his size, not elite again but he can layer the ball with velocity in the intermediate windows. I love that ability on his tape. He can navigate the pocket. He does have some creation capacity. Um, so he's a fun one. Clayton Toon from Houston is another one. He actually tested very well. I think he was around 6'3", I want to say 215, 220, um, ran a 4'6", 40 around there, had a 37-inch vertical. So he's actually a really good athlete for his size that shows up on tape at times. He can create, he can extend plays. And he's a gunslinger, man. I mean, playing with Clay, with uh, Tank Dell at Houston, I mean, they put up massive numbers. And Clayton Toon is one guy who's willing to stand in. He's willing to test windows deep. He's willing to, you know, challenge defensive backs. And, you know, he's got enough arm to make it work, too. The tools are not elite with those guys. And that's kind of what reserves them in that day three range. But, you know, if you're looking for a guy, you know, hey, we got to start at Washington with Kirk Cousins, you know, round four. If you're looking for a guy who can maybe on day three, if he gets it that shot, he can make it work. Clayton Toon and Jake Hayner are two guys that stand out, stand out to me. But, you know, you talk about this QB class. You know, some QB classes have really defined tiers. Like you got your round one guys, your day two guys, your day three guys. This one for me on my board, it's more like round one and then just day three, right? Like Hendon Hooker is going to go way earlier than he should, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I do think there's a really big gap between those first four. Yeah, I, I I like that a lot. And I just and any time I, I always uh, my heart just warms anytime I hear you say Kirk Cousins because me and you love Kirk Cousins tremendously with all our hearts. All he was what got me into football, man. I swear I, I lived 15 <laughs> minutes away from East Lansing. So, hey, go green, go white, right? I'm telling you. I mean, and yeah. I've said this before so many times, but uh, I have taken on. I mean, it, it's that scene from like 300 or Troy, right, where you got the one Spartan just holding up the spear and you've just got a, a, a crusade of people on their way to murder you. And that's just me against Twitter when it came to Kirk cousins and me just defending him religiously, because I just, I just love him so tremendously. It just brings me so much happiness. Um, but, uh, 
I, I, I want because because I feel like what, what happens in so many of these conversations about best players in the draft, um, we and, and, and rightfully so uh, we get hooked on that positional value conversation. Um, I want you to kind of tell me in your eyes who the best player is in this draft, removing positional value. So if you were to take away that, obviously that quarterback is always the highest. But talk to me about guys, um, your 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 favorite guy. And it could be a quarterback, but your favorite guy in this draft, the best player in this draft, um, regardless of positional value. What do you have? Regardless of positional value, well, that's easy. Uh, B. John Robinson. Yeah, you know, that's that's the tough part, right? Because he's a running back. So if you input positional value, which you know you're going to, right? That always is inputted. He's not going to be your top guy, you know. And so he's he'll he'll be below Will Anderson for me. He might be below the quarterbacks for me just because you know he's a running back. But you know when you're talking about raw grade, raw film grade, Bijan has my highest raw film grade, and it's he actually has a, a decent amount above Will Anderson, and that's not a slight to Anderson. Anderson is in the elite range for me. You know, he's one of just three players that have raw film grades in the elite range. It's it's uh, Bijan, Will Anderson, and Jalen Carter. But Bijan Robinson is just – he's incredible. You know, I think he is as close to a generational running back prospect that you were going to get. 5'11", 215, um, very good athletic tester, right, which I think that was more just confirmation of what we've, we've seen on tape. But he's explosive, insanely agile for his size. I mean, the way that he can change directions and just – you know, adjust his angles at a moment's notice. And, you know, the analogy that I like to use is that, you know, not really an analogy, but it's just, it's just a nice phrase to use is that he's a master of space. I mean, in short spaces, you know, his ability to control def- defenders, right, set them up and control them and capitalize is second to none. You know, he's got such an enticing mix of short area agility, athleticism, and then contact balance to churn through contact, physicality. You know, and then the vision, creative instincts to keep himself up, right? You know, it's just that the combination of tools that he has is so complete and so dominating. You know, I, I don't see a scenario where he's not going to become a phenomenal running back. And that Texas offensive line was not always great, you know, paving lanes for him, right? And he, time and time again, he proved that he could create for himself at a very high level. And then on top of that, he's a phenomenal receiver, too. I mean, you'll see him run routes down the sideline, you know, he'll adjust in midair for passes. He's got great contortion ability, body control. He can extend beyond his frame. You can't, you really can't poke holes in Bichon's game. I mean, yeah, I, I hate to say that because it sounds like hyperbole, right? But totally. one of my biggest knocks coming out of the summer was that maybe he doesn't have breakaway speed, <laughs> like not even like bad speed, just like not four, three speed. And he still ran like a four, four, seven. So it's like, that's not going to be a weakness for you. So Bijan to me is very complete. I'm a huge fan of his profile. You know, would I take him top 10? You know, I think it ultimately depends on where your team is at, what position you're in. You know, if you're in a position where you can spend on that luxury, the Eagles at number 10 could maybe be in that situation where, Hey, our roster is good enough. Let's take Bijan and let's, you know, reestablish talent in the other areas later on. But, you know, if you if you have needs at premier positions elsewhere, I'd probably lean that way. But mid to late first round, especially, right, you know, I can definitely see Bijan selling there. But he's a phenomenal player. Uh, Will Anderson is close behind him. I think Anderson is, again, a phenomenal player, explosive, insane lateral athleticism. I mean, this is a guy who's six foot three and a half, 255 pounds, I think 34 inch arms, and he's, you know, so dangerous stunting laterally. 
Um, but also working around the apex, he's got incredible power, capacity, and strength at the point of attack, and his motor is insanely hot. I mean, this guy never takes a beat off, and that's what I love about his game. I mean, even when he makes contact, even when it's a little congested, his hands are always moving, insanely combative player. Um, he's never – he doesn't rest until he's the quarterback. So big fan of both those guys. Those are my top two. But my best overall player is is Bijan. I think if you take away positional value, he is he's definitely you know he's one of the kind. Do you have a pro comparison? I mean, I remember we we you know I, I remember going back to the Saquon conversation to him at a Penn State as being a generational talent. I mean, do you have a pro comparison for Bijan Robinson, a, a guy that you you know think just emulates this game? Mm-hmm. I do not actually. Um, I wanted to find one. I really did. Um, you know, c- comparisons for me as a draft analyst, if I have one that I really like, I'll use it, right? Like some of my wide receiver ones, uh, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, Michael Pittman Jr. is my comp for him. Uh, Santana Moss is my comp for Zay Flowers. Uh, I so it. I think, yeah, so it's like if I have one that I really like, right? You know, and for me, comps is like, you know, testing numbers matter, right? Um, size matters. You need to have very similar size parameters. But even more than that, you know, just watching the film, do they move the same way? Do they kind of bend the same way? Right. You know, so things like that, really little things, their foot speed, are their stride frequencies similar? Right. You know, like one guy might, two guys might be like 6'2", 200, but one is a guy with super fast strides. The other one's lumbering a little bit. Right. Stylistically, I need you to be very, very similar. Right. So it's something that I nitpick. I, I kind of scrutinize really a lot. Right. So with running backs, Bijan is a very unique mold because he's 5'11", 215. He's got that workhorse size, but then he's just so quick and agile and, and you know, flexible for his size on his cuts. It's just, you don't really see a, a blend of traits like that, right? So I think Saquon, Saquon was a little bit more, I think Saquon was a little bit more, you know, freak athlete over efficient runner coming out. You know, there were times where he danced around a little too much in the backfield, right? Bijan, in my opinion, really blends together that efficiency, right? But he's also very good at working downhill and staying in control all through the rep. Um, I think Saquon was a little bit more just this guy is insanely explosive, insanely strong. Bijan is too, you know, not quite to the degree that Saquon was, but, you know, I think Bijan makes up for it where he's like, he's a better runner. Saquon was a better prospect, your Mm -hmm. athlete, but Bijan's a better runner. So I think a comp for Bijan is tough, man. I've seen LaDainian Tomlinson as a comp for him too, which, you know, I think – the dual-sided receiving and running ability, you know, there could be something there. I think Tomlinson may be a little bit more explosive again, but Bijan isn't a slouch in the athletic department, so it's tough. I don't have a comp for him right now. Maybe I'll explore it a little bit more if I have time before the draft, but sure. um, it's one of those things. If I have one, I use it. If I don't, I don't force it. You know, you just try to convey what the prospect does as best you can. You think he's in play at 16 for Washington, and do you think that is a realistic move that – you know, I mean, look for for the commanders at least for me. It's it's corner, it's tackle, and then there's a big drop off in terms of what our priority should be at sixteen. But say Robinson shows up at sixteen, there. Do you think that's a realistic thing? Um, and do you think that would be a smart move? It could be a realistic thing. You know, it, it's tough for Washington because they just drafted Brian Robinson last year. You know, and they still have Antonio Gibson, right? Who you know, hasn't been super efficient always as a runner, but I still think this is a guy who does have a lot of running and receiving upside. The versatility is there. You know, I think if you can unlock it, right? So, you know, those two guys, you know, not a world-beating running back combination, 
But if you have a good offensive front in front of them, you know, they can make things happen, I feel like. You know, I think Brian Robinson, especially for me, was one of the better north-south backs in the 2022 NFL draft. You know, he was a guy who, to me, you know, had the size and physicality to work downhill very well. The leg churn through contact was very strong with him. Um, and I think that, you know, that ability, you know, to keep churning through and keep churning through the chains, right? You know, that's one of those things where, you know, he can do that very well. So I think you have a physical puncher right up front with Brian Robinson. You have a guy who could be a nice change of pace, you know, kind of a versatile weapon in Gibson. So I'm not sure how much of a need it is right now. Bijan would be a massive upgrade over both guys, right? You know, don't get me wrong. And that's not a slouch to them because I, I did really like Brian Robinson last cycle. I, I like the upside with Gibson. Bijan is just a different beast, right? But, you know, if you're Washington, if you're at 16 and say Darnell Wright from Tennessee is there, right tackle, or, you know, maybe I'm a big fan of Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. You know, I would draft him and maybe move him to the right side, right? Just get that talent in there. But if there's a high-level offensive lineman still there, that would maybe be the more prudent move just because I'd rather build up front, right? Bijan is an elite running back prospect, but you already have, two young guys who do complement each other pretty well there. So, you know, it's it's on the fence for me again. I don't want to commit to anyone because I do really like Bijan as a prospect to the point where, you know, if you did take him, I wouldn't complain because he is that good of a player. And he's that good of a player yeah. where if you pass him, if you pass up offensive line help for Bijan, Bijan is the kind of runner who can create and kind of offset those offensive line concerns, right? So maybe you can get a guy a right tackle in round two as well. So you know, if there's a trade-off for every choice. If he's there at 16, I don't think it would be a bad move. I think it depends on who else is there, you know, or if Christian Gonzalez is there from Oregon. He's my CB1. I would take him to heartbeat, right? So that's another mm -hmm. one where maybe you'd rather do that. But at the same time, this cornerback class is one of the deepest that we've seen in recent memory. Yeah. So there's a chance you can get a guy in round three, round four, right? So there's a trade-off. There's an opportunity cost with every single option. Um, ultimately, I guess – the, the closest thing I can give you to a conclusive, you know, a definite conclusion is if you do draft Bijan, you got to make it right later by capitali capitalizing on the value. If you don't draft Bijan, there are still good running backs later, but none of them are Bijan. So it's a tough situation to be in. But I think yeah, you know, whatever you do, you can make it right with the remaining picks. Yeah, I could see Washington. And for some reason, I, I don't I, I don't agree with it, but I, I could see them taking – uh, Robinson at sixteen. I, I I don't think it's likely, but I I I certainly see them taking a running back in the draft. Um, I think Washington have really subscribed to. I mean, really, if you go back in recent years, you know the the mid and and they've and you know in fairness, it's worked out for them. You know that mid to later round running back kind of rotational guys, and I mean that's just the value of the position. That's where we're going, right? I mean, you go. Back to that 2012 season, the most productive year Washington had offensively. Uh, well, 2015 was, but uh, 20, you know, 12. You had that Alfred Morris right in, in, in six in the sixth round. You had Rob Kelly follow up, and you just start going through the years, and you, you get the Antonio Gibsons, and you have the Brian Robinsons, the guys that are second, third, fourth, fifth round picks, guys that you know can can find production there. But I want to piggyback off of something you said, um, and jump into what position you think. Um, I know you, you said corner here, but what position is the deepest in this draft and, and, and which one is the weakest in your mind? Yeah, I think corner would definitely be in the running for the strongest. I think, um, you know, I'll go with the weakest first real quick, just because just to get some variety here. But um, I think the weakest, um, hang on, there's actually a couple. 
off, offensive guard or maybe safety. You know, I think those are two that stand out to me. Um, mm. Safety mainly because I think, you know, it's not necessarily a weak class, but a lot of guys are niche guys who are, are mainly nickel guys, right? So not a ton of field safeties, right, who, who can play in zone, you know, and manage space, right? You're more looking at guys who, you know, have the versatility to man guys up. But if you do need them to play, you know, say single high or two high, you know, maybe they're not as natural in that phase. So, you know, I think the safety class is very unique in that aspect. Some teams are going to like it. Some teams aren't. But um, that's where we're at. You know, like Brian Branch, the top guy for a lot of teams, he's primarily a nickel defender. Now, I, I do think he can go back in space. But, you know, it's one of those things where the role is fairly defined for him right now. So you, there's gonna, you're going to need some imagination if you want to move guys around. Um, that said, I do really like the versatility that the class provides. I think, um, you know, Sidney Brown from Illinois is a very good player. Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, especially in 2021, had some very good, very good film in the slot. Um, you got J- Jartavius Martin, like another Illinois guy, but a versatile corner safety, right? So a lot of versatility, a lot of multiplicity. But if you need a traditional two high, single high safety, not quite as strong there. So that's going to be a complication. Offensive guard. Um, the top two guys, Osiris Torrance and Steve Vila, those are generally considered the top two guards. Neither of them has a top 75 grade on my board. Um, you know, I, I like both of them for sure, but I don't think there's a first-round guard prospect in this class. I think both of those guys, Avila, not an elite athlete. And on top of that, you know, there are times when he can kind of get locked up in the hips a little bit. Um, there are times when he can kind of lurch over a center of gravity, a little too upright, and he'll get off balance at times. Uh, and then he can be a little late to pick up delayed blitzers and stunters too. So, you know, he, I, I like him. I don't love him. Osiris Torrance, same thing with him. He came over to Florida from Louisiana. Um, just a massive blocker. I think he's around 6'5", over 330 pounds. So this dude is massive for sure. But um, with that comes a lack of lateral mobility and recovery athleticism. And uh, I do think that his hands can be a little rough sometimes. He has better hug points at times. So I do think he got better as time went on, especially in the SEC. But um, neither of those guys are high level. And I, you know, I think one could go in round one. That would be a little too rich for me. Avila, I can see it more than Torrance, just because Avila has played both center and guard to this point. Um, but um, both of those guys, it, it would be a little apprehensive for me if I was picking them that early. Joe Tittman from Wisconsin. Could be a wild card. He played center at Wisconsin, uh, but he has the versatility to play guard. Um, I have him as my top interior offensive lineman. He's in my top 35, I think. So, you know, I'd be down for him that early, but um, anyone else, a little too rich for me, right? You know, even in the second round, you know, I wouldn't be apprehensive because of the scarcity of guards. You know, you got to take those guys if they are available, right? Because the scarcity is going to drive the price up, but it's never a good position to be in when you're forced into that. So, those are my two positions that are a little weaker. Corner, mentioned it earlier, probably the strongest position in the class. Um, you've got the top end talent with Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., Deontay Banks from Maryland, the hometown kid. He's insanely athletic for sure. Corian Bennett as well is another sleeper down the board. But, um, you know, even beyond that, I mean, there's so many names that I can bring up. Julius Brents from Kansas State, 34-inch arms. The dude's insanely long, uh, 6'3", over 200 pounds. But he also tested as an elite athlete. Tyree Stevenson from Miami, Florida, around six foot, over 200 pounds. I think a near 33 inch arms. He's got four, four speed, great recovery speed, great technique at the line, really fast feet. Um, but he's physical too. Uh, Jalen Jones from Texas A and M, kind of he's a guy that gets drowned out sometimes, but he's around six two, 200, um, former five star who's very twitchy, very agile, very 
you know, it's very easy for him when it comes to matching guys, and he's very physical and run support as well. Uh, Corey Trice from Purdue, uh, 6'3", over 200 pounds, very, very fluid for his size. I mean, transitioning outfield, not an issue for him. He tested very well. Super physical at the point, very good ball skills. Again, the coordination for him is, is top-notch. Uh, Alex Austin from Oregon State, another guy who's super fluid. Uh, the off-man technique is what I love from his game. I mean, his feet are insanely fast. The corrective athleticism is incredible for his size, around 6'1", near 200 pounds, right? So I think not top-end speed, but a guy who can match anyone at the line. Uh, so I'm a big fan of that guy. Keytrell Clark, Louisville. Uh, Travis Hodges-Thomason, some slot guys who are undersized. Uh, Clark Phillips the third, right? So uh, there's so many names, man. I could go on and on and oh, on. I can I'm, imagine. I'm still – yeah. I, no, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I'm curious because um, you can finish your thought, but I, I want you to add some context, to, a thought that I've had, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I have always felt like um, breaking down corners, defensive back safeties is, is such a difficult – task to do pre-draft um i have always fi- found that certain skills translate in ways that you didn't see and, and certain systems translate in ways that maybe we can't really see on tape would you agree with that 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 corners and, and defensive backs are, are really difficult to evaluate um or is that just me and maybe why is that the case yeah you know i feel like it depends right like it, it does depend on what they're asked to do um, I remember Georgia, Darian Kendrick from last cycle was one who was kind of thrown in there and he ended up not testing very well, you know, so he kind of fell down the board a little bit, but um, he played in side saddle a lot in college, like a lot, you know, where right off the snap, he's turning his hips inside, he's he's drifting upfield, right, you know, just kind of staying over top, right, with that inside leverage. Um, and, you know, in the NFL, you're going to be in situations where you need to man your guy up, right, stay square at the line. Use fast feet, not tip your hand, you know, right? And you got to jam at the right time. You got to know when not to jam and you know, when to yeah. turn your hips. You don't want to open too early, right? So, you know, some guys are asked to do more of that at the college level. You know, other guys are asked to play, you know, specifically in certain situations. Now, Keely Ringo, you know, in Georgia this cycle, you know, I think he was asked to play man a little bit more, right? So even the roles change in the same schools from year to year, right? You know, it's, it's never – it's never an immediate, you know, direct reflection from year to year. But, um, yeah, some guys are asked to do different things, right? So you got to kind of – and some guys are asked to do the same things but perform differently, right? You know, like maybe Joey Porter Jr. is going to be a little bit – like he's got the length to really jam guys to the line, but sometimes he can get a little grabby, right? You know, Alex Austin, he'll play impressed. He'll get right up in your grill, but he's not going to use his length unless he's in proper positioning, right? So it's like – Every little thing, you know, there's a ton of intricacies to kind of dive into. But, um, yeah, you know, I do think it's it's a tough position to evaluate because, you know, in man, there's so much to look at. You got to look at where their eyes are. Are they on the hips? Or are they on the, the helmet, right? You want them on the hips. Um, you know, how are their feet? How's their weight just distribution? The timing, the reaction quickness, you know, when receivers kind of tip their hand. You know, and then in zone too, you know, how early are they breaking? How is their back pedal? Are they tight on the back pedal? Efficient, right? You know, so there's so many different factors to consider, you know, for both of those phases. And even then, you know, one rep might show something then different from the next rep. So it's one of those things where, you know, corner is such a volatile position. You really need to make sure that you cover all your bases because it, 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 there's a lot to take in for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And and do you you have Christian Gonzalez as your number one, correct? He's he's my number one. Yep. He's number one. Yeah, and that seems to be consensus um there. 
Talk to me about this is my favorite question I always ask you, and and you're so respectful, and and that's the best part um, about chatting with you. But um, give me the most overrated player so far in this draft, and give me the most underrated player so far in this draft. Now I know you could probably you could probably give me fifteen in each list, and quite frankly, give me the list if you got it. But I'd love for you to narrow it down to one guy that you think is being overvaluated that you just don't see. Um, maybe the Alex Leatherwood of this draft, as we might say, um, or somebody that's just not being talked enough about, and, and you're 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 standing on the on the uh, soapbox and ringing the bell for him. Who do you got? It's tough, man. Yeah, I mean, I never wanna I never wanna say a guy's overrated, right? Because you know, one thing that I really try to adhere to as an evaluator is you need to say outcome independent, right? Like I can tell you guys, I can tell you that the guy's overrated, but what if he goes on and gets a thousand yards as a rookie, right? You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much that's dependent on, you know, and that's not necessarily, maybe that's not a flaw in the evaluation. You know, maybe it's just he landed in the right situation. They used him perfectly for what his skill set was. You know, there's so many different variables, right? So that's why I never try to stand on that on that hill and say, this guy's a boss. This guy's going to, because you never know. You know, there's so many different variables. But if I had to pick an overrated guy, you know, a guy who I think is maybe a little overrated in the NFL media. You see him going round one sometimes. I don't see it personally, but Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. I have Cedric Tillman, his teammate, ranked higher than him. Uh, I do think there's a very there's a role for Hyde at the next level, right? I think he, his speed is the first thing that stands out. I mean, this guy explodes upfield very efficiently, effortlessly, right? You know, he can stress def- defenses. You see all those those screenshots of him you know, lined up against a DB who's got 15 yards of cushion off the snap because his speed is so dangerous, right? So that's like just kind of a visual representation of what, of what Jalen Hyatt brings to the table. And I do think that he can use stride variations, throttle control to use that speed and manipulate space against defensive backs. You know, he's shown that he can use stop and goes. He, he's got good zone awareness. I just think right now he's a little too raw for me as a speed threat. I still think there's ways that he can improve that, become more consistent, right? You know, he's got good hands, he's got good ball tracking ability, but I just don't know if he's too I, I don't know if he's multi-dimensional enough for me outside of that speed, right? So I think, you know, I would definitely take him on day two. But if I'm thinking about round one, right, I want a speed guy who maybe provides a little bit more. You know, maybe it's a flowers who's a little bit better at manipulating coverages, right? You know, Josh Downs, who's, you know, incredibly consistent at, you know, extending beyond his frame and converting for a smaller receiver. You know, I, I would rather I would rather prefer those guys over a, a one-dimensional speed guy who, you know, that speed is a very, very important thing. It kind of has gravitational effects sometimes, drawing defense defenders, kind of opening up one-on-one opportunities for other players. But at the same time, you know, I need you to be able to create before the catch, create after the catch. Now, if you can't do those things at a high level, maybe you're going to be a little bit lower. So, you know, I, I would still take them day two. The round one stuff is a little bit iffy for me. Um, and then an underrated guy. Oh, shoot. That's a tough one. So I got to think about the underrated one for a second. But the, the, there's a few names that come to mind for me. The first name that's coming to mind is – I'll go with Isaiah McGuire, head rusher from Missouri. Uh, he's very productive these past few years. Um, I think he measured in around 6'4", 270 with, I think, 34 charms, near 34 charms. Um, you know, a lot of the guys at the top of the class, Miles Murphy – uh, Keon White, Tyree Wilson, Lucas Van Ness, Isaiah Foskey, they all have very good power profiles, guys who are you know, kind of that similar range, 6'5", 260, 34-inch arms, right? But Isaiah, Isaiah McGuire is also in that range. He doesn't really get talked about a lot, right? But he is very explosive off the snap, 
very twitchy as a rusher laterally. Um, he can offset blockers very well for his size. Um, and I think of that group, man, he's actually got very good bend capacity around the apex with bigger guys. Sometimes the concern is they can't sink. They can't, you know, roll their hips. They can't reduce their surface area and use ankle flexion to work around the apex. He can do that. He's shown that he can use active hands around the apex too. Uh, there was a really, really impressive sack. I, I want to say against Ole Miss last year um, where he just kind of swiped around the apex, had a rip move, you know, sealing a deal, you know, getting the ice pick in there and got the sack, right? You know, his motor runs hot, strip sack. He's got the length and the violent hands to kind of convert in those in those situations. Um, and then on top of that too, man, his, his motor runs hot. I'm a big fan of Isaac McGuire because I think, you know, he's got the upside. He's got a complete palette of traits, but he's also – you know, operationally, you're not working from the ground floor. You know, you're not working from zero. There is a functional arsenal of pass rush moves there, um, you know, and I think that's a great combination to have. So a lot of a lot of edge rushers, man. Derek Hall from Auburn is another one who I think it's overlooked sometimes, um, but he's up there for me too. So uh, this edge class is very fun. But Isaiah McGuire is the first one that comes to mind because I think his, his palette of traits is very complete. And on top of that, he is a legitimate pass rushing threat. He's not a project. He has stuff to work with. Yeah, your, your latest piece came out. It was the top 10 edges in the 2023 draft. You can check it out again, profootballnetwork.com. Um, Ian does a nice job at, uh, at the overview ranking his top 10. All right, so i got a couple more here for you real quick. Um, I'm going to get to what you think Washington does at 16. But I do want to ask you, um, because I, I only think it's, unfortunately, it's appropriate here. The Raiders have, have proven an inability in, in all capacities to draft in the first round, really in the last three years. In just any capacity, they, they probably should not be allowed to draft in the first round. Um, they should just get a break. But what I'm going to do for the Raiders here is I'm going to take that responsibility and I'm going to give it to Ian. Because quite frankly, I have not seen a team miss on more first round picks quite the way. I mean, the, the Packers are desperately trying to take that trophy, but the Raiders just can't 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 possibly do it. So I do want you um, to to take the Raiders at seven. I want it to be Ian Cummings, the GM. What do the Raiders do at seven? And and and, and really, I know it's kind of a funny question to ask, but I just I desperately want them to actually pick somebody in the first round that does not have their fifth year option declined or subsequently ex exit the league uh, unceremoniously. So I'd like Ian Cummings, the GM, to make that pick at seven um, just because I want, you know, the few Raiders fans we have listening to this to know that I do care about them. What do they do at seven there, Ian? What do they do at seven? Well, you don't pick a running back. That's one thing. I think, uh, you know, hey, Josh Jacobs is good, right? You know, I, I keep him. No, I'm just like, uh, you got to go with a premier position, I think, especially looking at that roster. That's a roster that, you know, a lot of premier positions can be upgraded. I'll look at right tackle. I think they brought back Jermaine Illuminor, but, um, you know, they can still upgrade off of him. Uh, on corner is another big area of need for the Raiders. So, you know, those are two that stand out to me, two positions that I would look at. And if there is a quarterback there and you don't have to trade up, that's another option. You did sign Jimmy Garoppolo, but uh, in my opinion, he's kind of, you know, not just not much more than a bridge quarterback, especially in the AFC West, where you've got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, right? You know, you need a guy with that top end talent if you're going to go toe to toe. So, you know, say Will Levis is still there, number seven, I wouldn't want him to start right away, right? But I think that's an optimal situation 
where you can get him in. You don't have to give up extra capital going up. And you get a guy with high-level arm talent, high-level athleticism, high-level smarts, IQ. You know, he's really just – he needs a stable environment to put it all together. Um, so I think, yeah, that would be a good one too. But if Levis isn't there, if all the quarterbacks are off the board, I'll preface with that. You know, if there is a quarterback, if Levis is there, I'll probably lean that way just because get that talent in the QB room. He doesn't have to start right away. Jimmy G kind of provides a buffer for him. I think that's a good environment for him to kind of get brought up, and he's got the high-level talent, right? So first off, we'll take that swing if it's there, the high-level talent at QB, because you need to swing for the fences, right? You know, it might not work out in the end, but you're going to be in the same – it's going to be the same result as it would be if you rolled with Jimmy G and went 8-9 and nine each year. You know, you're not getting a Super Bowl ring. So if mm-hmm. you're not going to get a Super Bowl either way, swing for the fences. Take the guy with the tools and try and develop him into something. So I think uh, I would go QB if he's there. If he's not there, then you're looking at corner and offensive tackle. And I look at Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. He's one that's been a favorite fit for, of mine for the Raiders, specifically because he can play guard or tackle. He can play left or right. He's got the versatility to really line up anywhere of those four spots. And on top of that, highest ceiling in the class, uh, six foot six, 313 pounds, 36-inch arms. He's got insane power capacity, incredibly explosive athlete, very flexible um, his hands can be a little bit too wide at times. I want him to kind of work on that. But, um, you know, he's got great strength as well. You know, I think he can be a little lopsided too, as tall as he is. But he is a road grader in the running game. And then the recovery athleticism is a an asset in pass protection. So big fan of what he has to offer, especially with the Raiders who have multiple needs on the offensive line. He can line up multiple spots. I think, it's, I think that's a very good fit. Uh, Christian Gonzalez at corner is a, a good one for me. Like I said, my CB1. If he is still there, which I think there's a good chance he is, right? The Lions have a needed corner too, but we've heard that they like Devin Witherspoon for what he provides. Um, mm-hmm. I would consider Witherspoon if he was there for the Raiders, but Gonzalez for me, you know, provides the highest level of size athleticism, right? I think around 6'1", near 200 pounds, 32-inch arms. Um, he's got very good recovery speed, very good explosiveness, but he's just such a smooth athlete too. Some corners you worry because, you know, they're long, they have speed, but they're linear, right? You know, they can't always transition. With Gonzalez, he is such an effortless transitioner. You know, he's incredibly fluid, very, very agile, very flexible on his cuts, can sustain acceleration through transitions and direction changes. Um, and managing space, too, very smooth. He's got great eyes. He's got great awareness. And the ball skills, too, when the ball comes his way, can extend beyond his frame, make the play at the catch point. Big fan of what he has to offer, you know, just from a composite standpoint, you don't see many guys as, as long as him who are as explosive, as fluid, as flexible. You know, the ease of motion is, is what I like to use, but he's he's got it for sure. So I would bank on that. I think he can be a lockdown corner at the next level. And cornerback's one of the most important positions. We see it every every year. You know, you need to impact the passer. And a lot of people think of pass rush, right? But if you force the QB to hold the ball just a little bit longer – that might be all the need for the pass rush to get home. So it's a symbiotic relationship. I think Gonzalez really supports that. So those are my that's my top three for the Raiders. If you, if the quarterback is there, you take that swing because you want to take that swing and bank on the tools. If the quarterback is not there, uh, then I would go either corner or offensive tackle with uh, Paris Johnson and Christian Gonzalez at the top of my board. I like that. So if, if any officials of the Raiders are watching or listening, you got your advice. <laughs> It's, you, you, you can't miss. Uh, you can't miss. And if you do, unfortunately, we're going to have to blame Ian. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up with you for a, a final question for our Washington audience here. 
um, in the nation's capital. Washington sit at 16, right? I've seen Joey Porter Jr. mocked. Um, I, I, I saw recently today a possible trade up if Anthony Richardson starts to fall. Um, part of me wonders. I, I just can't. I can't see him falling. You know, too far. Um, but you know, Devin Witherspoon. Uh, you know, as a corner, if he falls. Um, you know, yeah, I have some incredible tackles as well, but I think Joey Porter Jr. is the guy that I've seen most um, in terms of volume-wise mocked to Washington. Um, what do you got? I mean, what did the Burgundy and Gold do? This is a really, I mean, you can you can say with new ownership this is a lame duck year for Ron, but the reality is, is I mean, this is, this is going to be a really, really important season for the commanders and for the Rivera staff. Um, so what do they do here? I mean, what 16, the, 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 the card comes and um, what do you think is going to be available? Do you think they move up? I mean, what do you got here for Washington? Yeah, I think Washington is in a very unique spot because again, it depends on how the board falls. And, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier, like Bijan, if he's there, you know, maybe he's the pick, right. But I, you mentioned it as well. What if a quarterback unexpectedly falls? Like, we're starting to see that with C.J. Stroud. You know, maybe C.J. Stroud falls. If he falls to a certain point, maybe outside the top 10, you know, or maybe 10, right? You know, maybe you make a move up for him. As much as they've shown confidence in Sam Howell, Howell's not Stroud as a prospect, right? You know, it's not even in the same category. So, you know, that's an, you know, if it got to that point, you know, there is a threshold that if a quarterback passed it, I would be aggressive and, and make that move. But let's say it doesn't happen. Let's say they stay at 16. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. makes sense, right? I think um, especially for the scheme, you know, this is a scheme where they like to rush four, generate organic pressure with that four-man front, and then use press man on the boundaries to delay releases, right? You know, that's kind of what you're looking for, that combination. And Joey Porter's got 34-inch arms, right? He's incredibly long, incredibly physical. You know, that combination, he can really do a great job delaying receivers at the line. And um, I think that fits well into what they're looking for. And he tested very well, too. So I think... You know, he's got that. I think on tape, the athleticism, the explosiveness in particular out of transitions, he doesn't always channel it to the, his full capacity, right? You know, I think his testing numbers kind of inflate that a little bit, but I do think he has the length, the physicality, the disposition that you're looking for. And he's pretty fluid for his size too. He's not, he doesn't have elite fluidity, but he can trist, he can transition well enough. Um, if Christian Gonzalez is there, again, long to the podium, just, just sprint, just, just make sure you're not wasting any time. You know, I think that would be a phenomenal value pick. Uh, if Devin, Devin Witherspoon is there, right? I think um, not as long as you're looking for in a press man, but he is a guy who plays beyond his frame. I mean, one of the most physical, chippy corners in the class. He can play the slot or the boundary. So, again, if Gonzalez or Witherspoon is there, you got to capitalize on that value. It's a little rich for Porter for me, but um, I would be willing to take it just because the scheme fit. Deontay Banks from Maryland is another one to consider. I think um, the size – Again, the physicality, this is a guy who's got that dog mentality on the field. Um, he can be a little more disciplined with his technique. Sometimes I think technically he's still got a ways to go in terms of refinement, but you're looking at a guy with elite explosiveness and recovery speed who's really transitioning, kind of you know, growing as a playmaker too. So those are the top options. The corner, if I had to go somewhere else, maybe a right tackle, right? I know they signed Andrew Wiley. I think he could be a you know decent stopgap, right? He can play guard or tackle too, so we don't know where the guys are going to settle out. But um, if Darnell Wright, Tennessee, is there, again, six foot five, 330 pounds, this is a guy who's got phenomenal power in his hands. He's got a mean snatch and trap at the line, but he's actually a very good short area athlete for his size too. 
he's my OT3, you know, in that natural right tackle spot. I would very much like to have him there. Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, my OT2. If he's there, I would consider him. And I think they hosted him on a visit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But um, he's a guy who's 6'4", 315. Great combination of natural leverage and proportional length, near 35-inch arms. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of what he provides on the operational side. He's got phenomenal footwork. He can tempo his footwork up to match rushers. But he's also very combative, combative with his hands. He's got independent hands. Um, he's a great athlete too, you know. So I think he really checks all the boxes. I would take him. I would heavily consider him if he's there. Um, those are the top options that come to mind for Washington. You know, I think um, corner, offensive tackle, maybe Joe Tipman if he's there, right? You know, I mean, he will. He will probably be there. You know, I don't know if I would take him, but consider him as well because again, he can play guard or center. Um, and we don't know if Chase Rulier is gonna. You know, we know they signed a Nick Gates, I believe. From yeah, Nick Giants, Gates. Yeah, kind yeah. of like a. Whites-esque uh, signing there, right? Yeah. Uh, for Washington, but that center position's never. There's some good centers in this draft. Yeah, Joe Tipman is is my top one. You know, he's I would consider him. You know, he has a top 35 grade for me. It would be a little rich for him, but you know, if you don't take him there, maybe the Giants take him 25, right? And you never want to take a guy because you're scared that someone else is going to take him, right? Yeah. You never right. want to do that. But I do think Joe Tipman. Uh, the, the upside is legit with him. He's six foot six. I want to say around 310, 315. Um, he, was, he was a Feldman freak this past summer too, though. I think he had a, a 10-yard split in the 1-6 range, which mm. is just absurd for an offensive <laughs> lineman. Like I don't think we realize how absurd that is. Usually the threshold that you look for for offensive linemen to be starters, right, you know, he's 175. And Tidman was in the 1-6s at 6'6", six six, right? So remarkable. he is explosive. He is powerful. He is intelligent as well. You know, he, he really does a great job picking up blitzes. Um, the leverage management can still be a little bit of an issue. The hands, you know, still some room for refinement. But he's a young player. I would definitely consider him, right? I think if you if you want to upgrade that interior line, um, Tittman is definitely an option there. But um, I think the top ones are corner, Gonzalez or Witherspoon if they're there, tackle, right, or Harrison. Um, and then there's a few others that are sprinkled in there, but those are the first ones that come to mind for me if you're Washington. I, I, would, I would steer toward the premier positions, especially because, you have a defense that's fairly talented, right? You want to have a completing piece. And then Sam Howell on the other side, if you are committing to him, you need to make sure that he's adequately supported. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing I think Washington have, um, I mean, they're really taking after their local NBA team where they're just, they, the wizards do this every single year where they, they just love picking between like nine and 13. Yeah. Washington have found a nice little rental spot right there in between that like 14 to 18 range. Um, but you got some options there, right? And I mean, that's the secondary. I think there there's, you know, I, I know Kendall Fuller's getting up there in age, um, but obviously he's still relatively productive. And uh, I know they love Benjamin St. Just in the building. Um, and he's just got all the framework you want. Young guy. Um, that's also mid round draft pick there out of Minnesota. Lengthy dude. Um, that's really what I got for you. I don't want to keep bothering you, but you've been so generous with your time. I mean, anyone listening to this can realize and understand why he is uh, – Ian's just my favorite guest to have on here. I mean, period. The, the guy just knows his stuff, um, and he's always great at coaching us up. You're always so generous um, with your time. Uh, Ian, again, uh, Pro Football Network. You can find his work at profootballnetwork.com. It's IC underscore draft on Twitter. Ian, anything else you, you, you want to drop in there or promote for him for us? Uh, I don't know. We pretty much covered everything, man. I'm just, I, I'm just happy to finally have it on the, um, 
what's the word the, the home stretch man we're almost yep. there that's why yeah it's 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 just as exciting to you know yeah. see what the results finally will be after all this build up but it's also exciting just to get a little breather at the end of it i mean you can probably yep. tell you know i'm talking so fast sometimes i need to take a step back and just like oh, ian you can stop talking for a second take a <laughs> breath man i swear what's uh no it's a fun time yeah pfn 365 on twitter follow me at ic underscore draft if you ever have any draft questions feel free to shoot them my way always happy to answer but uh yeah connor that's that's all i got man that's all i got i think we uh we exhausted our uh, resources here i think we're good i think we're good it's the best, man. I, I would always rather the listeners drown in information than starve for it. And uh, you're just you're awesome and uh, always so knowledgeable and so generous with your time. Ian Cummings, again, Profile Mall Network. Dude, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We will be in touch. We'll talk soon. And uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on After Further Review. Welcome back. After Further Review returns. Thanks so much again to Ian Cummings. He is uh, he's the best. He's the best. Having good guests is so great on shows because um in a way it just you can just sit back Mm -hmm. let them let them go in and he he's so great because every year i hit him up especially during the busiest time of his calendar where i mean he's doing radio hits everywhere he's doing different things you mentioned uh before the show we started recording that he is uh he's getting some national attention first i I see why now oh completely (laughs) i completely uh but he's just so generous with his time always and um always so uh i mean he was um, my first writing gig that I got at Fanside, he was my first editor. And so he helped me out a bunch with writing tips and he's a tremendous writer, really good writer, but, um, he found his niche with drafts and he, he, um, just took it and ran with it. So big thanks to Ian Cummings again. It's IC underscore draft on Twitter. You can follow him. Um, he's just tremendous. Uh, he has pieces out, uh, all week this week. Um, so again, thanks to Ian Cummings. Uh, Shawnee, we will be back next week, and uh, we'll do another one more show before the draft. Um, or it will be draft night because we will record be Thursdays, night. yeah, right. So we're gonna have to probably find a little schedule situation. We'll we'll, we'll probably talk about that. And we'll update you guys on on social media. But um, again, I want to welcome our YouTube audience, and uh, again, I I love our new studio setup. I love having the video. I love being able to. Uh, interact with everybody and and um so if you would like to watch our podcasts you go onto youtube you just search after further review with connor forrest and the videos are going to be up there we have uh, this episode that'll be up we'll have last week's episode that was a little delayed it was my fault my email is just driving me nuts so um but we'll have last week's episode up as well um and our our episodes will be available on youtube for everybody to watch um at their leisure um it's fun. And I, I enjoy watching podcasts too. I, I enjoy that aspect of it. So, um, I think you guys will enjoy it too. So I appreciate all the work Shawnee has helped put in to make the studio nice. And hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoy it. Cause I just, I just love this and it's, it's so fun. I, I we've been doing this now for two years. Started in, was it March of 2021? Was it March yeah, or that's April? That's ridiculous. We've been doing this for it's two been a while, years. man. We're getting old. Um, we are getting old. <laughs> I know I'm thinking about retiring next year. Um, but yeah, we've been doing this for two years and having, uh, this kind of next feature on the podcast, we're able to, um, get this on YouTube and get, and get a video aspect. It's something I've wanted to do for a while and, and just being able to do it is, is awesome. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, also last programming note this week coming up, I'm starting a new series of commanders focused 
episodes. Um, we have not narrowed down the name just yet. But here's the good news. You won't have to go anywhere. Wherever you get this podcast, you're going to get it. But it's it's going to be a, a 20 to 30 minute episode. Um, it'll be probably just me. Um, Shawnee can jump on whenever you want. But it's just going to be Washington football talk. It's going to be commander's talk. Um, and really, we're going to dive in and focus on that so that, you know, during the after further review episodes, I'm not, you know, going on and bloviating for 45 <laughs> minutes about a team that has done nothing but but cause me unhappiness. But we're going to have guests on as well. And it'll be more of a commander's focus um, podcast, a commander's focus show. But it will be in the feed. It will also be on YouTube. So you'll be able to watch it there. Um, but I'm excited to talk about a team and uh, that I has caused me a lot of pain. <laughs> I was going to say, endless pain. You sure, you're happy to talk about them. <laughs> I'm not, but uh, I will. I will uh, for our listeners. Um, maybe, maybe I'll do a Patriots themed one. You Z- should. Zappy Hour Power t- Hour. Yeah. Okay. He hates me. I just can't stand you. You're just uh, the worst. This he, is coming he, from the same guy who lectures everybody on sodium and zappy hour. <laughs> the cringe worthy. Just the cringe. I'm uh, die. No, we're, we're going to come up with a good name for yours. Uh, he, he wants to incorporate Beltway or DC something in it, right? Yeah, something like maybe, that. Maybe people can tweet suggestions to you. I like there that. There you go. There we go. Maybe that's our latest Instagram poll. I like it. I like this. Get our listeners involved. This is why you're the executive producer, <laughs> not associate producer, executive <laughs> producer, making some decisions. Um, no, but I, I think I think it'll it'll be great. I think that that'll be a fun aspect. So um, first episode will be up next week. Uh, we're going to get into the, the the sale of the team. And um, next week, we'll, we'll I'll probably touch on some draft stuff at, at 16, what we can do. Um, but excited for that. Shawnee, am I am I missing anything? Um, am I out of my mind? Is there anything that I'm I'm off on? I don't think so. No? No. See the slider? Yeah. You hear that music? Mm, I hear the music. That means we're checking out. <laughs> um, right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in wherever you are. However you're listening, we appreciate you so much. Shawnee, it's so good to see your face. Good to see you as well, man. It's good to see you. We will see you uh, next week. And um, Do I have anything else? I don't. I think it's time for me to leave. <laughs> My friends, thank you so much. We will see you all next week. And as always, I'll catch you guys on the other side.